Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Todd Marshall, a generational firefighter with 41 years of being a steward of the game from Christiana, Delaware, retired captain from Fairfax, and currently the emergency management planner and assistant coordinator in Iredell County. I would like to present Mr. Todd Marshall. All right. Uh, I guess good afternoon now. My name is Todd Marshall. I'm uh, Retired captain from Fairfax County, Virginia. I got my fire department start um, basically through my father and my great-grandfather. My uh, father was deputy chief in Delaware at uh, Christiana Fire Department. I was fortunate enough to, back then in the 80s, 1982 to be exact, 16-year-olds were allowed to be full members as long as you went to fire school. So I started my career May 2nd of 1982. Before that, my great-grandfather was actually in the fire service in a little town in Maryland called St. Michael's. He was actually one of the founders of the volunteer fire department in St. Michael's, Maryland. Um, My dad, besides being the deputy volunteer fire chief, he was the fire chief for a company called DuPont. Um, They did red, red pigments, so paint plant for DuPont. Any car that had the The color red in it came from the DuPont plant in Newport, Delaware, and he was the fire chief for DuPont. DuPont was sold to Sibagagi and then to a company called Siba, but he maintained his his title and his position as fire chief. Him and another gentleman, Ken McMahon, actually started the hazardous materials program for the entire state of Delaware. Yeah, I know, Delaware's not that small, only three counties compared to the hundred we have here in North Carolina, but <laughs> it was a pretty big deal back then. Um, and then of course, from my era or my generation, the show emergency also had a big uh, big role in me wanting to become a full-time firefighter. Um, you know, during high school, I think besides playing the sports in school, the fire department kept me out of a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, then once I went off to junior college, is when I applied to different fire departments across the country. I I applied to Fairfax County. I applied to Gwinnett County, Georgia. And then I actually took a position in Altamont Springs, Florida. Um, But Altamont Springs, Florida was uh, was very similar to Mooresville, a little bit smaller. It was a a three-station department that now has already been absorbed by Seminole County down there. And while I was going through the recruit school there they do a little bit different you have to take your emt through a local community college and then your fire classes you had to take through ocala the state fire school so while i was in emt school in florida i got the letter from fairfax saying hey would you like a job so talked to long and hard to the fire chief of altamont springs and he said look man we got uh, three stations fairfax at the time had 30 He's like, your chance of promotion, your chance of mm-hmm. quote unquote doing it and getting the getting the call volume that you're looking for is is not down here. So picked up all that I own, put it in my little uh, little car, 
and drove to Fairfax and started my recruit school there. Uh, started recruit school there late in 1986 and loved it. Loved every second of it. I retired from Fairfax in 2011. And then the reason I retired was a lot of reasons, but the main one was family and the change in the fire service. I had uh, the, the culture changed even in Fairfax with the new generation of firefighter. I'm not putting down the new folks because mm -hmm. they do a great job, but it wasn't what I was used to. It, there was, it was always why, 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 why? When uh, I first got in Fairfax, if the captain or lieutenant said, hey, do 20 push-ups, then pull the inch and three-quarter to the front door and let's go fight fire. I did that. Right. And I was not used to somebody saying, why do you want me to do that? Or why do I have to do that? Why can't he do that or she do that? And I was struggling. Um, my management style, my leadership style, I had to take steps backwards to uh, – to regain the trust of the crew instead of being the Neanderthal caveman. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I adjusted to it, but I had an opportunity to move to North Carolina and become the track services manager for NASCAR, which track services is just a simple word for fire and safety. So the NASCAR has 12, it's, it's the numbers increased dramatically now, but uh, had 12 folks around the country and they were pretty much career firefighters or volunteer firefighters that would run incident management and a chase vehicle at all the NASCAR events. So I thought it would be a great way to, to see the country and participate in a sport that I enjoyed, which was motorsports, and quite honestly, make some changes. Um, we, we were responsible for changing the training program for the NASCAR tracks because every NASCAR sanctioned race is actually staffed by locals. It's one of the few major motorsports, actually thinking about it, the only major motorsport that utilizes the local fire crews around the country as their, um, as their safety crews, where the IndyCar and even the boats utilize a traveling safety crew, even drag racing utilized a traveling safety team. So it was cool to come up with a training program and with the fire background, make it make sense. And, mm -hmm. you know, started the, the NIMS and the incident management stuff, took it to that next level when we went to those racetracks. Um, so, that, so that was fun. And then now currently I'm the emergency management planner and assistant emergency manager coordinator for Iredell County here. So I still get, have my hands and listen and, to the radio and talk to the fire guys. And just like we talked about before the show started, get to go on fire scenes. I was at the fire ground in Statesville when they had thought they were gonna lose the block, but they did a hell of a stop and stopped it within uh, three buildings, I believe it ended up being. Get to run a bunch of hazmats on the interstate and in on Lake Norman and just work closely and support the local fire service, whether it's the two municipalities or the volunteers here in Iredale County. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> so you, since you're not currently on a fire department, I will kind of change this question, but what was the culture like in Fairfax when back in your day? Um, 
It was awesome. Um, you know, I'll be up front. I was, I was probably one of the worst firefighters when I first got hired because I had the experience in Delaware. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that I rode the coattails of what I, the men now that I call the men of men in Fairfax, I rode their coattails. I, I literally, I trained when everybody else wanted to train. I didn't really push myself at first because I was, I'll be up front. I said, and I got this. Mm-hmm. And then it took guys like Chief Swiggett. I know these names don't mean to many people here in North Carolina, but if anybody's listens out of state, but the Chief Swiggett's, the Vic Segley's, the Tony Billers, the uh, Pete Lunds, the Ricky Riley's, Dave Brooks of the world, they, uh, they, they took me to another level. They sat right. me down one day and had a come to Jesus meeting and said, look, you got the skill set, but you're excuse my French complacent as fuck. And you mm-hmm. gotta, you gotta get the ball up. You gotta pick it up. And while I get into that, there was the saying they used, and I don't know if it's a quote from somebody or if they made it up, but I, I even wrote it down so I didn't forget it here. It is you to get you where you want to be. And I took that to heart, you know, and then here locally, I'll be up front. There was guys that I still run with South Iredale a little bit. I am definitely back burner um, for a multitude of reasons. The, the culture at, at South Iredale, I think is awesome. There's a badass firefighters at South Iredale. The, the people that got me motivated to get in there, because I took a law when I started working for NASCAR, mm-hmm. I felt that I didn't have the time to, to be a fire, volunteer firefighter. And then I talked to Brian Weatherman, who was a chief at the time, mm-hmm. and he introduced me to guys like Jerry Starr, who's the current chief, the Jake Ingles, Jordan Casarellas, and these guys, they got it together, man. They they are taking the crews at South Iredale and doing the training that needs to be done and motivating firefighters. And now with their new training facility that uh, Chief Starr and Chief Ingles put together, they're, they're taking that statewide, if you will. I mean, they're mainly surrounding counties right now, but the word is out that they right. got they got it together, right? Right. And then, you know, even meeting like your chief, Chief of Mooresville, Chief Deaton and uh, Chief LeCount, those guys, they got it. Chief Parnell and Salisbury, these, these folks – you know, if you have those conversations and they're out, they're out and about at training. And I've had the opportunity to, because of my relationship with Chief Martin in Salisbury, you know, I've got to meet these local fire chiefs and they got it. They got it together that, you know, a lot of them deal with politics that we don't get involved in, whether it be financial, try to get more money for the troops or mm-hmm. more money for training and stuff like that but they want to do it. It's just getting to that next level with the politicians. And I don't want to get political here with everybody, but right, right. that's what it's going to take. You know, there was a guy you had on a podcast who quite honestly, I look up to as a, as an instructor, as a fellow instructor, CJ Dwiggins, man, this guy, he knows how to motivate. He knows how to get around some of that red tape so you can still get the job done. And, you know, he's working his way up through, his promotional process and getting on different with senior staffs. But, you know, as long as the fire chiefs 
assistant chiefs and other senior staffs know what they have around them, it's going to increase the valuability of their fire department. And that's that's going to what causes your culture change. If, if senior staff is going to sit back and say, my way, my way, my way, you're going to you're going to cause a lot of morale issues. And mm-hmm. guys like CJ or Chief Ingalls and some of the other locals I talked about earlier, if you allow them, don't get it wrong. Some of these guys got to pull the reins back a little bit because they're they're a little bit <laughs> gung ho. <and> they, <laughs> I don't want to say unsafe, but they take things to the to the max level and they right. might need to bring back. But I'd much rather have a group of firefighters and group of officers that I pull the reins back on than try to stick the spurs in their ass all the time. You know, I want those folks to be out there mentoring, teaching, showing people the right way, even though, you know, they might take it to the extreme every once in a while. But the culture in Fairfax it was awesome, man. I, I got to do things and see things, run calls. I mean, I was fortunate as an officer to get to a busy house. I was a 10 engine, 10 mm-hmm. truck, and, you know, our engine, it was nothing for them to run 20 calls a day. And our ladder truck was running 10 calls a day. Now, 80% of the calls back then were medical locals because we had a combined system. But those medical locals, I learned more about building construction than I did fighting a fire, right? So right. so once I learned that those opportunities were out there and we as a fire-based company, you know, like, oh gosh, another EMS call. But once we realized, hey, we learned more about the buildings that we're going to fight fire in through these medical locals. So let's take advantage of it, man. So, you know, when you had... A, a truck company running into the house going, Hey, how can we help? And then two other guys, all right, did you see that? It had, it was mm-hmm. a ward house or, Hey, there was uh, people in the back bedroom that there's no way they're getting out of this place is on fire. So you learn that stuff and you made mental notes and we actually took notes and brought them back to the station and put them in the map books, you know? So, you know, it was the culture in Fairfax was great. And, the other thing that helped was the money. I mean, when I first got hired, it was still only 21000 but a captain now is making six figures up there, you know? So, Crazy. you know, it, it that helped tremendously. Um, the, the culture of Christiana, even in the 80s, these guys, they just, they wanted to run calls. We had the training wasn't so much. The training was more at the state level because you had a state fire school that you went to, Mm -hmm. but there was courses offered every weekend. And what you became a official member once you got your firefighter one and two and vehicle rescue back then. So I did that the first month so I could start getting on that hose line and on the knob and, and running calls. And, you know, for me, the culture was there's not many people in the fire service this day and age, they can say, hey, my dad and I got to fight fire together. We were on a hand line together. Right. We we cut a car together or we did CPR together. I mean, you know, those type things are invaluable. And so the culture for me personally was just has been awesome. You know, just like I said in the opening statement, us old guys have to adjust to different generational things. And, you know, once it was explained to me the reason why I had to tell that new firefighter or younger firefighter the whys of we were doing stuff, 
it was easy. It just was hard to accept at first because that's not the way I did it. That's right. So, you know, so it was like, man, why am I doing this? But, but in all reality, that's what makes a good leader, man. If if you cannot adjust to the different generations and the diff, different gaps, if you will, that's caused by that generation, you're, you're not going to be a great leader. And and I think you know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I think that you know the last question you talk about how do we improve and that that's it it's mm-hmm. learning our people it's not you can't be set in stone you know cj talked about it in podcasts because yes i do listen to your podcast um 150 years of tradition impeded by progress right. yeah but it, it all comes down to the leaders whether they're the formal leaders the informal leaders or you know just that senior guy or girl Girl, see, there's that Neanderthal again. <laughs> but, uh, but in all seriousness, that that's the that's the folks that that are going to be your your teachers of the culture or the spreading of the culture, and that's the only way to get it is to make those people understand that yes, I know you're the informal leader. I need you to bring this company to the next level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I. I- it was that was well stated. That was well stated. Uh, so I do have a question. Yes, you're from the north. I'm from the north. And this episode, by the time everybody hears this, this episode would uh, the episode I'm referring to will have been released. But I made a statement, and I, I'm a fully back it. But I believe the culture between northern departments and since I moved down here are totally two different things. I feel like the brotherhood up north is a lot stronger than it is down south, and I'm not trying to make fun of any departments down here in North Carolina. But to me, from what I, my experience and what I've seen, the brotherhood is, is, is stronger up North. Yeah. It, it, I see that too. And it, when I first got here, I thought the fire service was about 15 years behind, but not in firefighting. I would take any firefighter in North Carolina to Christiana to Fairfax. And, you know, they would do fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the culture they're behind. And, and I agree with you. It's not, I wouldn't say the brotherhood is lacking. It's just, it's more department pride than company pride. So, Correct. so, yes. so, so in, in Fairfax, everybody loved that we worked for Fairfax because of it was the third richest county in the country. So if we said we need the newest tool out there, we would get it to test. And if we liked it, we'd buy it. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time there was a time in my career where we went through major budget issues there also where each shift was like a shift a for the next month you guys got to supply all the toilet paper because we don't have enough money to buy toilet paper or you got to buy this or that we had to do things you have to fix the bay door yourself um we went through that struggle it was one year of my whole career but we did do that for a year right. but down here the company pride I don't see. So while I love to work for Fairfax, everybody knew I was at Engine 10. And we we were allowed to wear, I, didn't, I don't have one on under this one, I'd show it, but we would wear our company shirt uh-huh. under our Fairfax shirt. Okay. And when, when you talked about Fairfax, it was, I worked for Station 10, Bailey's Crossroads. It wasn't, I worked for Fairfax County. So that's where we had more company pride than we did department pride. And the other thing down here, I think there's, and 
these I'm going to piss people off with this statement. I'm sure like the I way did. the retirement the way the retirement system works for a career department in this area, almost all are in the state system. Mm-hmm. So, if I was a young firefighter, I'm not loyal to Mooresville. I'm not loyal loyal towards Salisbury or Con- or when the ones around here that I know mm-hmm. because if you get a 12% raise and I can lateral a transfer over there, I'm going to get more of my retirement, right? So right. you just keep jumping back and forth and nobody holds that against you. In Fairfax, if you left, you had 364 days to change your mind. After that, have a good day. Gotcha. You know, and don't get it wrong. We had an independent retirement system and not everybody in the state had it, but mm-hmm. that's what I was used to. So you don't see many Charlotte folks who have their own pension system jumping back and forth department to department because right. they're going to lose their tenure. Right. You know, so, and I don't know how to fix that because it's very expensive to have the town of Mooresville have its own pension system or the city of Statesville have their own pension system because of the federal laws, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it's very expensive to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not something that can happen overnight. But, you know, just gaining that loyalty to the department and then having that company pride. Now it's hard to do. I mean, here in North Carolina, I hardly ever see anybody wear a fire department t-shirt somewhere. And then come to find out in a lot of places, it's in the it's in the policy. Yep. That you can't do it. Yep. Ours was just the opposite. We wore our shirts. I mean, you would have thought and I'm going now I'm going to piss off the world. We were <laughs> Because we had, I wore a 10 shirt probably five days a week. Okay. Not at work. Right. And right. To let everybody know, not that I was looking for somebody to thank me for my service or a handout at right. the coffee shop or whatever, but I want everybody to know, yeah, I'm a fireman. Mm-hmm. This is what I do and I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. Because we utilize that when we did go for ranges. And again, I'm not promoting union stuff, but our union wanted us to do that because they wanted to, the community and the citizens to say, man, there's a, that fireman, he supports this local business or look, that firefighter, he's helping that woman carry her groceries to the car or whatever. It was right. back to that perception. Perception right. is reality, you know? So it showed that you were part of that community and it, I think it helped us. Now, don't get it wrong. You had the bad apples who would go to the local watering hole mm-hmm. and get hammered and then walk out to their car and, and drive away. Right. And everybody's like, there goes that drunk fireman again. You know, yep. So yep. It, it's 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 either or you either have a positive influence or you have a negative influence. So I understand where departments and senior staff say, look, we've had too many issues and that's why we don't wear your company shirt. But, you know, for us, it seemed to work. OK. All right. Uh, so during that time and even now, what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue, even if you're not actively fighting fire, but continue loving the fire service. It's just at South Iredale, like I say, even though I'm not as active as I want to be, or they want me to be the junior program. When I first got there, we really fired up the junior program to get those 14 through 17, 18 year olds back in. And at one point in time, we had seven juniors who were, you looked at them and I said, man, I can't believe they want anything to do with the fire service. And now a couple of them got jobs 
one in Mooresville, one in Concord. Um, and they're, they're hard chargers, man. So the junior program and taking those young minds and molding them into an aggressive firefighter helps me out tremendously. And also I'm still an adjunct instructor for Mitchell. So I do help with the firefighter one and two programs, um, mainly in Iredale. And the only ones I've really done have been at uh, South Iredale. They usually do it every other year. They run that program. And I usually do the first, eh, probably first month or so with the, just getting the culture and the tradition of the fire service. And don't get wrong, telling some worries. Uh, fortunate enough in Fairfax to be 9-11. You know, obviously we had the Pentagon. I was uh-huh. deployed to uh, Mississippi, Hancock County, Mississippi for Katrina. Um, so I, I, I call it lucky because I love what I did and right. what I still, you know. So I was lucky to be a part of some major incidents in this country. Um, side note, took a class at Rowan Cabarrus to get my associates. It took me 55 years to get my associate's degree. But uh, one of the courses there, when you take the fire admin, admin class or the fire class, is disasters in U.S. history. And they go over seven of them. And three of them, I was actually on as a firefighter. So crazy. it was it was cool. But <clears throat> except when you write the paper and the instructor goes, uh, dude, you where, where'd you, where's your sources? I don't see any references here. And I was like, uh, I didn't know how to type in life experience cause I was there. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Okay. No, that's but, awesome. But yeah, uh, I think the biggest is te- teaching and mentoring. I think there's so many opportunities, like whether it's your podcast or me getting out and being able to go on those calls in emergency mm-hmm. management, just talking and seeing, I mean, I get to meet somebody new every day in right. what I do now, right? Right. And just sitting down and talking and, you know, it'll come up. They always do because the fire service emergency management, why we have to work together because we play a major support role in the fire service. Nobody wants to see us roll up on your scene because um, they think we're trying to take over, take over. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we're not at all. But, you know, we want to support you in any way possible. And, you know, so having that ability to see folks through training and or incident scenes and just talking to them. But the biggest thing for me is still teaching. Uh, you know, if if the older generation can't mentor the newest generation, then the fire service is going to go downhill. And I don't ever, ever want to see that. You know, you look at all this new stuff coming out with the, the AI stuff. Is there a day that there's not going to be a firefighter? I don't see it because you still have to have that ability to right. you know, have that personal touch, whether it's an EMS call, whether it's a car wreck, whether it's a rescue, whether it's a, even fighting a fire. You know, we still going in there and doing, seeing what you see and understanding what you see. And that's mm-hmm. the key to that whole statement is understanding what you see. Nobody's going to take that personal aspect away from it. Awesome. Definitely can't agree with anything you said there. <laughs> or, or I'm sorry, definitely can't disagree. I should say what uh, Anthony said okay, there. Good. I was like, man, I really yeah. Off. No, 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 no. That that was that was uh that was a wrong verbiage for me. Um, speaking of, do you do uh do you have any kids? I do. I have uh, four wonderful kids. They're older though. My youngest is 17. The oldest is th- will be 30 this year. Any any firefighters? 
No, for all no. my son who is 17, he's a junior at Mooresville High School. Mm-hmm. Um, named Jeffrey, if you're listening, Jeff, what's up? Um, he he has no interest right now, and the main reason is he was a uh, he was a big athlete, baseball player. Okay, and with the fire service as well as NASCAR, he said, "Dude, when did you ever see me pitch?" Because we worked a 24-hour shift. I said, "Dude, I was at every practice." Right. He's like, "How many games did you come to?" He goes, I want to be able to be home. And I get it. You know, but he doesn't know what he wants to be. I, I'm still bugging to this day. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, man, Monday night, is, uh, you go up to South Iredale and start that junior program whenever you want. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, he said maybe one day, but not now. He just, he he enjoys me talking about it and he jokes with me and and he's come to the firehouse, but he's just, he doesn't know what he wants to do, man. Right. One day he right. wants to be a, a pilot the next day he wants to be a welder so who knows what he's gonna do <laughs> no no okay all right um but no that's the what he stated though that's 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 resounding because yes it is true if you decide to do this profession there are things in this in your life that you're going to miss and yes. it's one of those things you got to come to terms with and if you are able to meet your significant other or, or whatever it may be, you need to let them know, Hey, I won't always be here to see this. And it, it's just, it's a part of the job. Yeah. It took me two times to find one that figured that understood. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so that that's, that's one thing I think we can improve on too is yes. Everybody knows the fire service is hurting. We got, we got, you know, mass exes of people either retiring or whatnot. And as we bring in this younger generation, this younger culture, we need to tell them like, hey, this is either we work 24, 48, 48, 96, whatever the schedule is out there, they all have their pros and cons. But you need to remember, you will miss certain things. And I feel like we kind of neglect to tell we're we're quick to show. Yes, you get to ride this fancy truck. These are your, your health packages, your pension, your benefits. But the important thing is you are going to miss things and you are going to work on holidays where you will not be with your family. Correct. And, you know, that's we did the same thing because in Fairfax's schedule, you work 10 days a month. Right. So when we went out to recruit people, man, how would you, you can work 10 days a month? You have 20 days to yourself. Right. Well, the, the, the citizen, if you will, doesn't understand that that's 10, 24 hours. A month, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so it's still 56 hours a week if you do the math, right? Right. So you're like, right. what do you mean I'm working 16 hours every time and or at five o'clock? What time do we get off? Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, tomorrow morning at seven, dude. Yeah. You know, and uh, so yeah, I, I agree with that. That's a good statement, you know. And, and I've tried looking at can you work a like a, the old, uh, uh, what do you call them? factories, the old schedule, like six to two, three to 11, 11 to seven. Can you split it up? There's just not enough people that want to be in exactly. the fire service to do that. Exactly. You know, cause it'd be awesome to do that, you know, work a day shift, an afternoon shift or a night shift. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get to pick which one you work. Gosh, that'd be, shucks. I'd, right. I'd be all in, right? Right, right. But, so, it, you know, it would work. You could still do it with three shifts, but, you know, then it comes down to 
how do you, how do you get time off? And, you know, well, you're off all day, but, you know, so it would be an HR nightmare or a senior staff nightmare, a logistical mm -hmm. nightmare. Um, but it's doable. And again, it comes down to, am I, is the 24 hour shift a caveman shift or do we need to look at that option? Is If you poll the people, you're going to have people, man, I'd, I'd love to just work nights and I'm going to say it for all the wrong reasons. I might, what if we might go all week and never get up? Can, <laughs> yeah. I can hear it now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, but the fire service, you've been around and the people listening, most of them been around. It changes, man. It goes full circle. There was a time that even in the nineties that nobody wanted to be a firefighter. Right. It, right. It, it, a lot of it has to do with what's going on recession wise and all that other stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, once there's, I hate to say this, but once there's no more jobs, everybody says public safety's always hiring. Yep. And then they come and go, wow, this is awesome. Or, Oh my God, what have I got myself into? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think that'll ever change. You're either going to love the fire service or hate it. There's no middle, there's no middle ground. And you know, the problem is the, those that hate it, if you don't have a good leader or an informal leader, they're going to bring down the whole shift and the morale is going to go to hell in a handbasket quickly. Correct. Correct. No, definitely. Um, and I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're in our little growing pains right now. So that, and that's one of the reasons why I, I started this because I, there was a time in my career, man, where I, I was, I was contemplating leaving. I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm tired of, the, the the naysayers, the negative Nancys, the laziness, the complacency, because I, some people, even to this day, they still don't understand that what we do is a life or death. Like what we do is real. And the whole, man, I'll be ready when that tone goes off. I'll be able to throw that ladder. I'll be able to do that search. It's like, stop playing with yourself. You, you need to get up from the, and I, I like to sit on the couch too and watch TV, but you got to put in the work to reap the rewards. And we have right. individuals that do not understand that. Yeah. When, when I first got in, we, we joked. And again, this is another make the world angry. When I first got in, you hired the athletes. And then we would joke. And when we thought that the change was occurring, the generational gap, we said we went from hiring the football team to hiring the band. And no disrespect, because I played drums in a band for a while, too. So, But that's that was the mentality of the older the older guys that we went from football team to the band. And then now we're not even hiring somebody from the school, you right. know, and it's, it's people that, you know, kind of know about it through TV. And if you watch those shows, whether, you know, I'm not trying to promote any of the shows, but they're not that realistic. Right. I mean, you know, the, the one that I'm referring to most, I mean, everybody on the shifts dating each other. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, not tell that. me, so, that's not how that works. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, so they don't really know what they're getting into. And, you know, there's departments and I actually, I think Mooresville does it. They do. And they do the citizens. Academy. Like, is it like a camp? I, I forget exactly what it's called. And Chief Deaton, I apologize for not promoting it properly, but that's a great thing to show you're going to get some older people that are bored that just want to see it, but you're mm -hmm. also going to get potentially people out there, man, this could be a great career, mm -hmm. you know, and you just got to promote it to that generation. And, and I think it would work whether it's, 
it's almost like an informal junior program for career staff, right? Right. You know, and you can do it that way even with with uh, diverse candidates. You you know, Fairfax did it with women in the fire service, their point of view, and had a whole whole group of high school girls, and all the instructors were female firefighters. Because, you know, the biggest thing, and, and I don't mean to get on my diversity kick here, but but honestly, how many diverse candidates have somebody in their life that they can look up to and say, hey, I want to do this because I saw Danny do this, or right. I saw so-and-so do this. And and that's that's where, you know, I think, we, we fell short for a long period of time. Again, Northern is way ahead of that game because mm -hmm. I'll be up front because of lawsuits and it's heading south. If, right. if you don't know what's coming, it's coming. Right. It's coming. You know? Right. So those things that, you know, leadership should take a look at and that would get your numbers up a little bit. I, in, in Todd's opinion, I, I don't have, you know, I, I don't have a piece of paper that I could say, Hey, this is what you need to do. This is mm -hmm. just what I've seen in the past mm -hmm. and how we did it up there in Virginia. Okay. All right. Uh, one little, I don't know. I, ever since uh, I've, I've started, um, anytime I interview a chief officer or a line officer, I ask this question. Do you believe communication amongst the ranks is a must for a department to succeed? Very much so. It, it, everybody should have a voice. Now, if you, if you, you let them speak. I'm not saying you have to take everything they want because it'll be like uh, it'd be like somebody that is holding somebody hostage and they want these key, they want these 20 things, and you know they're going to ask for bizarre crap, right? Mm -hmm. You got to you got to be able to disseminate what the the members are telling you. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to take to heart what is doable, what's not doable. What it, you prior you triage it. That's that's the bottom line. You got to treat what's going to better the department, better morale, better our ability to serve the citizens that we serve. And sometimes that's what's get lost is what do we have to do to better ourselves to serve the community that we're protecting? And it, it it's it's hard. I mean, if for those out there that have families, try to make all your kids happy at the same time. Right? Okay. It, and I'm not saying that firefighters are kids, but you know, you're not going to be able to please everybody and Correct. any leader, whether you're in the fire service or in politics, if you think you're going to please everybody, you're in the wrong profession. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, you got to be able to triage what's best for your department, your company or your crew and, and, and try to make that happen. And the only way to do it is to listen to them. Um, you know, I, I tell a story when I'm teaching about, you know, going in the front door and, you know, the young firefighter saying, hey, Captain, what? Let's go in here and fight. Hey, Captain, could you shut up? Let's go. Hey, what you Captain, why is that? Why is that door? Why is it glowing? That metal piece underneath the door? Oh, that's because the basement's on fire and I didn't see it. Thanks. <laughs> and, all right. You know, they would have walked in and fallen through the floor. Right. Right. So you got to have that crew resource management crew. I was. At the, at the end of my career was very much an advocate of that. When I first got promoted, I was not because it was do what the officer tells you to do because he or she knows best. That's the way it was. Right. But times have changed and, if, and you've got to accept that. Crew resource management is going to make or break 
your company or your department. Okay. Uh, in your opinion, what key elements or factors do you think are needed to make a good firefighter regardless of rank? Attitude and passion are the biggest two and the ability to learn from your mistakes. You should always be a steward of, of what you do. And, and what I mean by that is, like I said before in the beginning, I rode the coattails of some aggressive men. I mean, they took me places that I probably would have never gone. And because of their ability to understand and educate themselves on what was happening inside the fire or the, or the wreck. And uh, once they gave me that come to Jesus meeting, I, I took that to heart and started reading and doing. There's, there is not a day that goes by in the fire service that you shouldn't learn something. And I'm not mm -hmm. talking about what hose to pull it on. I'm talking about something as simple as whatever department you're assigned to, even if you learn a new street every day, you've learned something that day. So even if you're not having a great day, pick something. Man, you know, I gotta I gotta learn how to drive from the station to Main Street. Or and once you learn all the streets, now you gotta learn the hundred blocks. Okay, I gotta learn my hundred blocks. If you have high rises or strip shopping centers, I got to learn where those hookups are. Where's the fire control room? Where's the sprinkler hookup? Where's the standpipe hookup? What on my truck don't I know? And then you got to be able to read. I mean, you know, I, I've had so many buddies that have gone out and made names for themselves, writing books and, and stuff. Like, well, there's one that I would, I am going to promote on here. If you've never read the book 25 to survive, you're missing out in the fire service. Yeah. Um, the authors were Dan Shaw and, uh, oh my gosh, Joey, what's his name? Doug, Doug Mitchell, Dan yeah. Shaw and Doug Mitchell. It's, it's a little pricey book, but in my opinion, it would be one of the best recruit school books out there. Okay. It, you know, IFSTA and, and those folks, they do a hell of a job and they're very consistent in their teaching 25 to 25 to survive is real world it has didactic stuff it has hands-on portions and then it tells the whys for this new generation it tells why you do it um we talked about pete lund earlier he's mentioned in the book numerous times dan shaw was one of also one of the founding members of traditions training um yeah. him and doug both were, were involved in that group and so it's it's a great book to read but it's it's the ability to to look at things and understand them. Um, there's uh, the fire service as a whole. And if you don't mind, uh, I'm going to quote from that 25 to survive. No, you're good. Yeah. Go All right. Good. There's, there's something in here that really I take to heart with whether the probationary firefighter knows it or not, they are fire scientists the day they take the oath and serve and protect. And what's even better, they don't have to do any of the research. And what he mean by that is you got NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology and UL, which is the underwriters laboratory that have done all that stuff for you. Now you just got to know how to disseminate that stuff you see, how to read the smoke. What's going to happen when the fire burns? What happens when you take away the oxygen? What happens when you cool the fire? So it's just basic science. And, mm -hmm. and as a firefighter, I never looked at myself as a scientist at all mm -hmm. but in all reality you are and once you learn those things 
firefighting hasn't changed since the conception of fire, right? Mm -hmm. We just learned, you know, different tricks and tools and tactics and strategies on how to put it out and keep ourselves safe. You know, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox, but, you know, everybody every year says it's unacceptable to have 100 firefighters die a year. And that's what we average. Right. Right. And I agree with that. But then you got to say what what caused that? Exactly. You know, back back in the day, it was we didn't have SCBA. Right. Mm -hmm. We didn't have cylinders. When I first got on Christiana, the only person that had an air pack was the officer, the nozzle person. I, I wore a bandana wet it, put it in my mouth and sucked it dry. Right. You know, and then we learned, all right, everybody needs an SCBA. And then how many radios were there used to be one per truck. One, right. Right. So right. you had to do everything face to face. And if I got lost and he, he forgot about me, oh, shucks, where's Todd? Oh, there he is. Yeah. Half dead laid on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Right. But so, you know, we learned from those things, but then when we thought we had a, or getting a good grasp on it, building construction changed. We went from all natural fibers to plastics and vinyl siding instead of brick. What, what's vinyl siding? All right, it's gas. Mm -hmm. You got petroleum products sitting on the side of your house. And then I've added all these other things to the structure that aren't natural fibers. So now I've made the fires hotter. The construction is more lightweight because buildings, if you've ever read Brannigan's book, he puts it to the best buildings are like meat, man. They're built by the pound and they're priced by the pound. So how do I get a cheap building? I make it lightweight. Well, back in the day, we had almost 18, 20, 30 minutes to fight a fire. Now right. you got eight, right? So right. how do you fix that? You can't put a station every neighborhood or, you know, I wish we could, guys, mm -hmm. job, bro. Mm -hmm. you know, so we got to look at all those things, but you know, the biggest factor to me is just attitude and passion to learn. You've got to be able to listen and don't get it wrong. Personalities could get in the way a lot of the time, mm -hmm. but you can do a lot of self-study. There's with the computer, with, you know, you know, YouTube, whatever. You can learn the right way. You can learn the wrong way. You can learn lessons learned. You know, back in the day, we used to read NIOSH reports and either love NIOSH reports or hate NIOSH reports, but they I'll tell you honest. the truth. They're, they're going to be honest. And the exactly. other part of that is, why don't we learn from others, right? right. I'm not right. saying they made mistakes, because every NIOSH report is going to point out too much talking on the radio. They're, they're going to give you excuses, if you will, or mistakes made by the perception of the person writing the report. Mm -hmm. But as a firefighter, you should be able to read that and say, Wow, you know, we we kind of talk a lot on the radio too. Yeah. Wow, you know, water supply really wasn't that really. That's not a priority for us. You know, we 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 get to it, but it's not. We lay out every time because we don't want to rack the LDH because you know it, it's a fire alarm. Well, why not lay out for a fire alarm? Um, that's just a Todd opinion. Yeah, but, yeah, I totally you know, get you. Same, totally. You know, yeah. But it's, the more reps you get racking the hose, the less it's going to be painful, right? Exactly. Yeah. Do I want to do it at 20 degrees at two in the morning? No. Should I do it at 20 degrees at two in the morning? Yes. But that's, again, Todd opinion. 
Um, but that's the biggest thing. Be, you, it's a job. Whether you're a career volunteer, it is a job. You're going to work your tail off, and you've got to learn. Every day you've got to learn. And Absolutely. If, if you don't do that, you're doing yourself, you're doing the company, and you're, quite frankly, you're doing the citizens you serve a disservice. Absolutely. Couldn't couldn't have said it any better than that. And I also like to add, because well, you, you, you did mention it, humility, because so I, I'm going to I am when I first started, I was, you know, hard charger. I didn't want to listen. I was young and I was dumb. I'm, I'm going to admit that. But as you get older and you surround yourself with the right kind of people, the right leaders that you look up to, and you're like, you know, I kind of want to be like this person. I want to have, if somebody mentions this person's name, they're like, yep, that's a damn good fireman. You kind of want to be in that, in that category. So humility is the biggest, one of my biggest things I think every firefighter should have, because I will admit, I don't know it all. I'm learning something every day and I do make mistakes and I'm going to own up to it. So yesterday, unfortunately, I had a boo-boo and I, I took it, I took it hard, took it to the chin, and I'm, I'm going to talk about it. So you would definitely know we got our new ladder truck, right? Having a great day yesterday, wrapping up hydrants, man, we're going back. We knocked it out. The captain's feeling good. We're all feeling good. We see a group of kids coming up on the corner. And this was in Pecan Hills neighborhood. So it's Engine Four's area slash Shepherds. The kids are out there. They're doing this to the captain to, to, to hit the horn. He hits the horn. I'm watching the kids, making sure they stay there because there's no, there's no adults around. There's a mailbox. I go around the mailbox, and I don't want to block up the whole road for traffic coming out because we still have to flow two more hydrants. I'm making sure the kids are there, and as I cut back, I totally forget the damn mailbox that's on the right side. What happens? I scratch the side of the truck. Brand new $1.8 million fire truck. Anybody knows me in apparatus, I'm a, and I get this from up north departments. I get it from Kentland because I have guys on there, friends on there. I like a clean apparatus. I, I take pride in my apparatus. Man, when I did that and I saw, I see my captain get out and I could see him like do it like this to his head in the river. Man, I was, I was done. I felt like shit. And I knew, all right, he's going to have to call. This person, this person is going to have to get involved at the end of the day. So pretty much making it short, I and I'm going to mention his name because not a lot of people you have to know him to to know how how he is. So Neil Brawley was my captain at one point. I learned a lot from Neil. He is now our logistics chief. He had to come out there. I knew he was mad and I felt like I let him down and I I felt like I let my captain down, my battalion chief down, but it really stung letting him down because I learned a lot from, from Neil Brawley. So I just want to throw that out there. You got to be humble. I learned from it. I'm moving on. Everybody knows it's not intentional, but shit's going to happen in this job. And you got to be able to take it to the chin and not make excuses. Amen. I'm sorry you had to do that. Yeah, you no. Know that ladder truck. That, my house is in your first due, man. Come on now. Okay, I'm sorry. There, there's going to be a little scratch on it. It's going to get fixed because the uh, Brian, our, our lead mechanic, came out there and he he looked at me and was like, you driving? He's like, I know it wasn't intentional and I know you're hurting because it <laughs> sucked. But I mean, I will say I've been on 16 years. I probably drove 10 out of those 16 years. So it's my first incident. Hopefully be my last. But 
I'm just trying to let people know out there, you're going to mess up. Own yeah. it and just move on and learn from it. So that, that, that I'm going to get off my soapbox here. Yeah, but, we just do. Uh, we all do uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think I already, I already asked that question. Yeah. I did. So the last one the, uh, what do you think the American Fire Service can improve on? Just to avoid being complacent. And, and honestly, the other part to me is, is ego, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is, I don't care who you are, where you are, we all should have the same mission statement. And that's to want to do what's right and protect the citizens and the area that we serve. I don't care if, if I'm on another call, I don't care who comes and helps them. Right. As long as they're getting helped. But I want that group that's coming to help the citizens in my quote unquote first do to have the same passion and drive that I do and show that same perception. So the fire service should look pretty darn close the same in Virginia, North Carolina, mm -hmm. Wyoming, California. I mean, don't get it wrong. You're going to have idiosyncrasies in each area, whether it be type of construction, your water supply, whatever it is, right. you're going to have your differences. But on 90% of the calls we run, they're identical. And we should be doing it the right way every single time. There's a, there's a great quote from uh, John Norman from FDNY. And he says, in the header of most of his books, but the tactics book is where I got this from. Let the situation dictate your actions and not your actions dictate the situation. And if you can do that every single day of your life, but especially in the fire service, you should never mess up. And accidents happen, mm -hmm. but you should never mess up if, if you can truly live by that. I think the, the fire service as a whole quite frankly, it's still awesome. Um, right. I got to go EM world. I got to go down to South Florida for um, Hurricane Ian, part of the incident management team that went down there. And those guys and gals lost everything, but still were at work every single day. So that mentality there, you bring that anywhere in the country, which I know it's there every mm -hmm. 90% of the firefighters that I know have the same passion. It's, it comes down to, I'll be blunt, your leaders. Your leaders have got to know what they have under them, skills, ability, skill set, where they need help, what are the gaps, and what can I do as a leader to help fill those gaps, whether it be with training, personnel. I'm going to throw it out there because it's always out there. Monies. Whatever, whatever I need to do, I'm going to do my damnedest to make it happen so I can keep my department, my companies happy. And then at the company level, just everybody should keep doing what they're doing, man. Be mentors. Be a steward of the sport because, you know, in all reality, you think about it, we are a team. We're right. in, we're, we are a massive team. If something, if another 9-11 happened, you see what happens, how the people come together. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're 
running PDAs or blue card, it, you still come together, right? Right. You know, so right. it all comes down to that stuff. And that's what that's what keeps me smiling every day. While we still have a lot of egos around that we got to fight through, mm-hmm. the fire service as a whole at the foundation is still in a good spot. We can still add levels, and I hope we do, with technology out there, with the people that are now entering the fire service, we have these, the potential to just make it great and, and greater than it was. And that, that's always been my goal is, is what can I do to make it better than what it was when I was before I got there. Right. And it, even if it's just with one other firefighter, that's, that's my goal. And as you move up through the ranks, all the way to senior staff or the fire chief, him or herself, if you maintain that, what I call the black hat mentality, you're going to go far, man. You're, you're going to take whatever you got to another level, but it's, it's, it starts at the top. You got to have that leader that wants to make it better and not, not the leader that's waiting to retire. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, but as a, as a firefighter, as a whole, the senior firefighter to me has to get, better and be that person or persons that take that younger generation to that level you want them to be at. If they don't do it, it's, it's partially their fault, but I also blame that person. Okay. But the fire service, it's constantly going to evolve. And I think that's, that's the other part is to make it better is having the ability in your own person without ego, um, to adapt to those changes right figure out a way to motivate that new firefighter as well as maintain the motivation for that senior firefighter absolutely yeah so you're preaching there absolutely correct the (laughs) egos egos can can kill can kill a company quick man and yes and firefighters can be savages to, to their own um but there's nothing like when everybody comes together to 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 keep it going so well said well said can't argue with that but man it's it's been i appreciate having you on it's this was a hell of a hell of an interview um i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm sure the listeners are definitely gonna enjoy this one too sir so i appreciate you coming on and taking your time to do this with me well danny i i appreciate you i uh i was humbled when i got the the text and then the email and then finally getting to talk to you um i just I love the fire service. I wish my body was 10 years younger and I could be a hard charger like I used to be because I miss that. I so enjoy listening to the podcast as well as going to places like South Iredale or Mooresville or Salisbury and those areas and watching those other hard chargers out there. Um, I just want to say thank you and I want to thank you personally and also thank CJ for kind of pushing me to do this also. Okay. Thanks, CJ. <laughs> awesome, pal. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the listeners, man, don't let the fire service die. Don't let it change. Everybody listening, if you're listening for the reasons I think you are, right? you want it, you want it to be great. So right. just keep it up. Keep everybody motivated and stay hard chargers and uh, hope everybody gets a great box alarm in the next when you hear this uh, <laughs> and come back and finish it, but uh, do well and be good. Awesome. All right. Well said. Well said. Appreciate you. All right, brother.
If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.